Tonight, the game is stacked against our players. This is Game Shows, I Suppose. Buddy, and welcome to this niche podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows. I suppose I am your host, Jordan Haas. We have a great episode today because we'll be talking about clever dicks. That's right, we'll be talking about clever dicks. Just fun to say, clever dicks. Go on, say it, clever dicks. Anyway, that's a game show. We'll be talking about that with Mike Klaus from It Was a Thing on Television in just a bit. But before we get through that, just want to say hello to all the new listeners out there. Hi, welcome to Game Shows, I suppose. It's a podcast about game shows, like quiz shows, the reality competition shows, all those kind of things from past, present, America, international, you name it. We talk about it. We review it. We preview it. We review it. We break it down, all sorts of fun stuff with guests. And we thank you for, for telling your friends about us. Please tell your friends more about this show. I, I figured that might be a good way to introduce it. It's just, hey, tell us, tell people about this game show podcast. Because that way I feel like, you know, validated. Like my parking. Uh, but before we get through to clever dicks, we have to get through the unfortunate part, the news. <laughs> so first of all... Uh, this is rare. This is a rare piece of news. Uh, the Deal or No Deal CNBC account is no longer active. I did not expect to be doing news about Twitter accounts being deactivated, but uh, here we are. Uh, so I guess that means that Deal or No Deal on CNBC might be canceled, which sucks because I love Deal or No Deal. Uh, a lot of people are kind of doing their whole, you should have watched it. Why did you watch Deal or No Deal? You know it's a good show. <laughs> Bullshit. And it it's, was a good season. Like, Deal or No Deal CNBC was the best version of Deal or No Deal. There was a lot of parameters that led to its demise, one of which being on cable television. Deal or No Deal is a primarily network show. Putting any kind of primetime format on cable that's a big money game, is almost recipe for disaster at this point. Uh, case in point, The Chase. You can't have like like $150,000 on the line in a final chase and expect people to just suddenly gravitate towards GSN. Also, they put that in competition with Presser Luck. So if your idea was to be with the game show fandom, well, they're going to be watching the re- reboot of Presser Luck over Deal or No Deal because they were both competing at the Wednesday at 8 p.m. slot. We talked about that here on Game Shows, I suppose, but I don't think people listen. I don't think people listen to this podcast when I say things like this. Uh, Deal or No Deal should have been on NBC proper during the summer. Uh, instead of CNBC. And as they were trying to build a block and make a whole primetime thing, 
no one really cares. CNBC is always the real estate business channel. It's not really a place where you can expect to see deal or no deal, which I still say is a great game show. It's still one of my all-time favorite game shows because of that risk-reward stick or twist, get to understand the contestants, that it felt like eight different game shows in one. This had the surprise element of true for consequences from the early days, but it has the big money stop or go aspect of a let's make a deal. It has the big money gambles of like a millionaire or $64,000 question. And, and all of these elements made for a great game show concept. To see it go, it's still a little upsetting, I will admit, but... Something tells me we're, this is not the end of Deal or No Deal. Something tells me the third reboot is on the way. We're not going to know about it till maybe like five, six years from now when it's going to be back on NBC. Something tells me it's going to be on NBC proper again. This is a game show they're definitely not going to put away and then never show again because I think people still think the show is iconic. So... Uh... I, I still like it more than The Chase. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, next, uh, Sci-Fi Orders, the great debate TV show based on Comic-Con panel. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, series hosted by comedian Baron Vaughn. Oh, Tom Servo from the new MST3K uh, will debut this summer. So, uh, Sci-Fi has picked up 12 episodes of a game show based on the hit comic. So, it's, it's not really a game. It's a panel game. It's a panel game show. Uh, based off the co hit Comic-Con panel, The Great Debate, the network announced Tuesday. Hosted by B Baron Vaughn, who also hosted the panel at San Diego Comic-Con, Sci-Fi Wire's The Great Debate will feature a panel of celebrity guests and pose questions like, who would be a worse boss, Darth Vader or Joker? Or would you rather have a Green Lantern ring or a wizard wand? Jesus Christ. God. Hey, can you ultra consume the products? What can you ultra consume? Also, I think Darth Vader is a worse boss than the Joker because Joker just has that don't give a fuck attitude. And you'd rather have a Green Lantern ring um, because, well, you can just think of everything and it happens. Uh, the show is set to be filming in Los Angeles next month with an eye to premiere this summer. No guests have been announced, but previous Comic-Con panel guests have included Orlando Jones, John Barrowman, Adam Savage, Aisha Tyler, Joe Maggiano, Thomas Lennon, Felicia Day, and John Hodgman. So we'll get ready for Kevin Smith showing up going, hey, you know, uh, we'll be Kev Smith here, uh. Listen, I love to smoke weed, and let me tell you, uh, you know, what, what I, what I want to know is, uh, you know, I really want to be on Team Cap over, uh, you know, Team Iron Man, but, you know, it's such a ridiculous, uh, you know, because uh, 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 that's all this is going to feel like, and I get it, you know, and geek debate things, that, that's the thing I see all the time, I think Screen Junkie still does that from time to time, but, uh... I don't know. I mean, it feels like this is just uh what's that game show from from Dave? Debatable? Debatable uh, judgmental? It was it was basically just the like, hey, stand your ground against the other guy. Uh, just this just kind of just fine. You know, it, look, if geeks who drink couldn't survive, I don't see this happening anytime soon, but none of your things have happened with the sci-fi channel. Next, Quibi. God 
fucking damn qu- I ju- you know Super Bowl happened I saw Quibi and then I just kind of just went just like uh because I knew there was gonna be like eight people going well what's Quibi well, what's Quibi and it's like so so I talked about all these game shows coming to Quibi like the Liza Koshy dance show and a reboot of Legends and no one knows what the fuck Quibi is so anyway Quibi joins the Fozzie clan Quibi joins the Fozzie clan for a game show that would allow winners to join the Fozzie team I fucking hate this here we go Quibi has partnered with the popular esports team Fozzie clan in a new game show to allow six subscribers of the new short format streaming service to compete for a spot on the Fozzie list Jesus Christ the program is called Foz Up and is an example of the new types of entertainment programs that games that Quibi is trying to attract younger demographics. Eat shit. Uh, for Fozzie Clan, one of the dominant electronic sports franchises, that means esports, in popular culture, the game show is an opportunity to find new talent and extend the reach of your entertainment studio, gaming equipment, and fashion line to another platform. For Quibi, Bribery is undoubtedly a way to gain audience. Wonderco, the parent company of Quibi, maintains production in its family of portfolio companies. As the media is being produced by the sports and entertainment media company backed by Wonderco, Whistle Sports. <clears throat> We've had an incredible partnership with Fozzie, and I couldn't be more excited to take it to new heights with the show, especially on a single platform like Quibi. Says Michael Cohen, president of West- Is it the same Michael Cohen that testified against Donald Trump? I don't know. Uh, Whistle is not about, is about incorporating our fans into our content, and therefore the fact that the Quibi public has the ability to participate and immerse themselves in this experience is really perfect. Quibi describes the program as part of the contest, part of the contest, and... 100% Fozzy. Six contestants chosen from the Quibi subscriber audience will have the opportunity to earn money in a space on the Fozzy Clan list. Directed by these people in the Fozzy Clan, Nathan Gaines, Dennis Lisberger, Mike Muslim, and showrunner Harrison Nalavansky. The new program will use voting tools from key members of Quibi and the Fozzy Clan to select contestants for slot machines eligible to compete and eventually join Fozzie Clan. This sounds too fucking complicated. Then the six winners will be transferred to the Fozzie Clan mansion. Of course, because you have to have a fucking house. Jesus Christ. Will be transferred to the Fozzie Clan mansion to live in the house and compete in reality-style games and events to determine who deserves a spot on the team. Well, sucks for you, random person that won a slot machine and then got voted into a house. You couldn't uh, put your hands in the Ono Snakes and Spiders pit, so you gotta go home. Esports... In the last 10 years, Fozzie Clan has not only contributed to the growth of the lifestyle of the games and the electronic sports community. Jesus fucking Christ. I Look, I like esports, but this just, I'm vomiting out of my mouth right now. Like, this is like, I have to take pauses and like, this is just disgusting. Anyway, uh, the games and the communities, we have broken the barriers and we're not afraid to interrupt the status quo. Well, that's nice. Uh, it said chief of content of Fozzie Clan, uh, uh, Zasanya. In 2020, we plan to do the same with content creation via distribution. The Fozzie Up program represents our next chapter in content creation with our first premium production effort 
a collaboration of innovative partners such as Whistle and Quibi. Uh, Quibi is going to be joining the same company as Jennifer Lopez, Liam Hemsworth, Catherine Hardwick, Antoine Flacqua, who are linked to projects scheduled to debut on the program. It'll debut in April. Life doesn't matter anymore. This kind of sucks. Hey, Janila Jamil. How is Shamila Jamil doing these days? Well, besides hosting that Laugh Out Loud game show, the the uh, the, the Misery Index, that was the show, uh, he, she just left the good place because it came to a big finale. But don't worry, folks. Jamila will still have work as the host of HBO Max's Legendary. For those who forgot what legendary is about and i'm sure a lot of you have because i'm pretty sure even if i say the name of the show again which is called legendary you will forget this show even when it's out on hbo max legendary the judging panel on the nine episode series will include rapper megan three stallion stylist and former america's top model judge la roach and wonder woman of vogue leame maladano along with a weekly rotating guest judge. Dancer and ballroom scene veteran Deshaun Wesley will provide commentary on the show with DJ Mike Q at the turntable. Inspired by modern-day ball culture, the series will see divas battle on teams called Houses in Fashion and Dance Challenges, including voguing for the chance to snatch the legendary trophy and win a cash prize, per HBO Max. Eight houses comprised of five performer and a house parent. Jesus fucking Christ. Why do I keep saying this shit? Will compete in an arcing competition that documents a themed ball every episode from start to finish. For Jamil, Legendary follows the conclusion of four-season run on The Good Place. Show will mark her second turn as host of Unscripted Series, the first being Misery Index. Thanks, the rap. <sighs> Next, Disney+. Plus. You know, Disney Plus has a few game shows coming soon, like uh, Jedi Temple Academy and a quiz show about Disney. But hey, they're also having two new reality shows from Bertram Van Munster and Elise Doganeri, uh, two of the greatest people in the world of reality competitions. I like them a lot. There's two shows coming soon. One is a revival of the ABC reality sh- series from like a decade ago called The Quest. Oh, it ran one season in 2014. Almost a year, uh, almost a decade. Uh, the Quest ran on ABC in 2014. will feature now teen contestants and will feature more interactive elements. The series, which will once again be filmed in a castle outside of Vienna, Austria, is set in the fantasy world of Everrealm. The contestants will encounter mystical beings and magical encounters and will be embedded in an immersive 360-degree world complete with seamless technology, creature design, practical effects, and scripted characters who interact dynamically with them as they take on a number of fantasy-themed challenges. I just remember that show existed like about five months ago. And uh, all I remember was like an archery competition and like different over the top characters. And it was like, fine. It reminded me a little too much of uh, uh, what was that show? Uh, I survived the Japanese game show where it felt a little too forced. Everyone has to act a certain way or ha ha the tar and feather on the contestant. uh, Ha ha. Just it just kind of felt a little dopey, but now it's with teens. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, ser- series will be executive produced by Court Fives, Mark Adresky, Jane Fleming, David Collins, Michael Williams, Rob Eric from Queer Eye Producers, Scout Productions, and Mason Grace Producers Bertram and Elise, who run New Media Collective with Mark Zayek. Um, 
Rob Eric of Scout Productions said, The Quest is a truly unique unscripted show, as it takes contestants into a fairly immersive world of magic and fantasy. There is no better partner than Disney Plus for this type of enchanted storytelling. Elsewhere, the streaming video on demand service has ordered adventure competition known as the Maze. Also from Van Munster to Ganeri and Zach, the series will take five teams consisting of one adult and one teen relative on a journey to solve riddles and decipher clues that will guide them through European cities and fairy tale villages. Indeed, in each episode, the characters will reveal information to participants, pushing them onward and closer to their final destination, where all contestants will convene. But only one team will solve the maze. Okay. Um, there's also going to be a, a new uh, documentary, uh, an untitled Pixar series from the Chef Table Producers Supper Club. Uh, this will follow Pixar's Spark Shorts program, which will g- give a select group of Pixar employees opportunity to make their own movies. Also, National Geographic has Meet the Chimps. Like meet meet the penguins, meet the orangutans. Ah, <sighs> okay. Well, let's just keep going here. Uh, these projects take people on epic adventures, immerse them in fantastical worlds, and shine a light on extraordinary people and creatures, which are all important benchmarks of our Disney Plus nonfiction content philosophy. Said Agnes Chu, senior VP of content at Disney Plus. We are thrilled that we get to bring the groundbreaking The Quest back to life, and we can't wait for people to discover the maze. Our special subjects in Meet the Chimps and the innovation and wonder of making Pixar's spark shorts. Yeah. Woo, see at D23, folks. All right, next, uh, the, the the Bachelor. That's right, Bachelor happened. So uh, there's going to be a new uh, date night, April 13th. Mark your calendars, Monday, April 13th, as you will get to see a brand new version in the extended Bachelor Nation universe. Like, it's the fucking Marvel Cinematic Universe. So the Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor Pad. Uh, what, what was it? Batch, uh, Bachelor Island. Bachelor in Paradise, and more. The Bachelor presents, colon, listen to your heart. The Bachelor presents, colon, listen to your heart, unites two of the most emotionally powerful forces in human life, music and love. As 20 single men and women embark on an incredible journey to find love through music, singing well-known songs both individually and as couples, they will look into form attractions through the melodies, find and reveal their feelings, and ultimately fall in love. The eligible bachelors and bachelorettes will meet and explore their relationships while living together and going on bachelor-style dates that focus on music. Once the couples commit to each other, it will be time to take the relationship to the next level. The harmony of the couples will be tested through musical challenges, including live performances judged by some of the biggest names in the music business. Ultimately, the couples whose performances reveal their love and devotion to one another will continue to be given a chance to further their relationships until only one couple is left standing. The Bachelor Presents, colon, Listen to Your Heart, is a production of Next Entertainment Association of Warner Horizon Unscripted, Mike Fleece, Martin Holton, Nicole Woods, Ben Gramner, and Louis Sarok, and executive producers. Just the fuck it. 
This is a fucking... What the fuck do we need more Bachelorette? I don't... Just... I, I, I mean, I guess we don't have a love... I mean, there's a Love Island CBS, but, like, I guess this is our dating show in America. That's why we have to keep extending this out. Do people even still watch The Bachelor? Are that people, like, turned away from the Pilot Pete season? Because it got a little too overproduced. Oh, well, let's uh, let's move on here to our final news story. A sad story to report. Fred Silverman, legendary television prog- programmer, actually passed away this week at the age of 82. And uh, let's just say this guy was everything in the world of game shows and everything in the world of television. Fred Silverman was known to a lot of people as the man with the golden gut and is the only executive to program for the big three networks, CBS, ABC, and NBC. He was able to pick shows out like All in the Family, The Waltons, Charlie's Angels, Roots, and Hill Street Blues. Uh, Also, he also gave David Letterman his first TV show gig. He organized spinoffs like The Jeffersons, Rhoda, Laverne and Shirley, The Bionic Woman, and The Facts of Life. There was, you know, the Jiggle Television, Three's Company, and Charlie's Angels. And uh, presided over real people, one of the first hit shows to bring a news mentality to entertainment. Uh, he also had a knack for counter-programming. He worked on kids' shows and came up with the idea for Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? He also created game shows. He is responsible for The Price is Right and Family Feud, which is why he's in this episode, too. Um, and during his daytime, launch, launched a lot of dramas, including General Hospital and All My Children. At CBS, Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction, All in the Family Mash, and then he went to ABC, sifted NBC in 78. CBS Entertainment and President Kelly Paul paid tribute to on Thursday with a statement saying Fred Silverman was the titan of the media industry and an influence on so many. His impact on television was incalculable. All of us at CBS salute his tremendous talent and cultural influence on our network and throughout the broadcast television. We offer our deepest sympathies to his family. While Silverman was engineering the turnaround ABC, Time Magazine put him on the cover in September 1977 with the line TV's Master Showman. The accompanying article quoted ABC exec to call him the man with the golden gut. To this day, it still haunts me, he said in a 2001 interview for the Archive of American Television. It has nothing to do with gut. It really has a lot to do with a very high learning curve. You learn from experience. But not everything Silverman did turn to gold. He got the idea of marrying Rhoda, Valerie Harper's character. That was a good stunt. Didn't work out. He created Thick of the Night, that Ellen Thick uh, talk show, to compete against Johnny Carson. Uh, he passed on Hollywood Squares uh, in favor of a great game show called The Face is Familiar. You remember that game show, The Face is Familiar? No? No. No. And also, don't forget Super Train. Remember Super Train? Oh, jeez. Uh, soon, after Silverman failed to turn around NBC and depart in 1981, he launched his own company, which produced Matlock and Diagnosis Murder. So, tons and tons of background in the world of entertainment. And he is going to be uh, missed. So, uh, let's pay tribute right now to the late, great Fred Silverman, a guy who sees it all, has done it all. Pick Pick any genre. He has seen it. He knows about it. And he's going to be missed. And now let's start today's episode.
Hi, I'm supposed to do an introduction sequence for the game show Clever Dicks, uh, which was a Sky quiz show uh, that debuted, hosted by Ann Whittacombe. Uh, it is a really good quiz show, but I figure there's really not much to say. It's a one-season wonder, and it's one that's one of those classic quiz shows with the battle of the experts and super geniuses. But instead, I'm decided, you know what we really screwed up is if I make this a little political right now, Bernie Sanders is going to win. Also, I want this to be very political in the sense of this is about Ann Whittacombe. She is the presenter of Clever Dicks. And I decided, let's go to quote tab and read some of these uh, quotes in regards to Ann Whittacombe by searching Ann Whittacombe in this. And Whittacombe was a former British conservative. She is now of the Brexit party. How, how's Brexit going? I don't know. Um, but here is some of her uh, quotes. <clears throat> People are being freed who shouldn't be. While supervision starts off pretty tight, it becomes more lax. The instant you say all quiet on the Western Front, people remember that great 20th century classic book on war. A book about a schoolboy turned into a soldier overnight. Yeah, that's what it's about. In politics, I gotta try to do my Anne Wickham voice. In politics, there is no right answer and no final answer. We also heard the usual old nonsense that banning hunting would affect employment if we abolished crime we would put all the police out of work. If we abolished ill health, we would put all the nurses and doctors out of work. Will anybody argue that we should preserve crime and ill health in order to keep people in jobs? Wait till you find out what they do with the EpiPen. Uh, finally, uh, I think we've lost sight of something of importance. Something which has always been at the heart of conservatism, which is the family. Functioning as a family unit with legal rights and responsibilities and being able to make its choices and let its children grow strong. For a party that really hates the government and says it's a nanny state, they really want it to be a nanny state. <laughs> this is their quote. Wow. Um, and it is only by maintaining the current law and making it the norm that adoption takes place by married couples. Instability for an adopted child can be achieved. What? I wish I had a put a bet on, but thought it might have been disrespectful to the Holy Spirit. For years, I've been disillusioned by the Church of England's compromising on everything. The Catholic Church doesn't care if something is unpopular. Uh, I don't. Look, I don't. I cannot bear the language TV chefs use. They don't seem able to look at plates of vegetables without accusing it of sexual activity. Oh, you mean fuck? Fuck, fuck, fuck its vegetables. Fuck its Brussels sprouts. Fuck, look at those carrots. Oh, yeah, that fucking celery. Look at that fucking tight-ass celery. Oh, yeah. Oh, your boy. Oh, that's orgasmic. You should take out this salad, mate. Oh, fuck. Anyway, <laughs> let's start today's episode by talking about Clever Dicks, TV's most exciting quiz show, with one of the biggest trivia experts I know, my Klaus... Now let's turn the table. Uh, well, we're live now. With me on the line, 
is the host of that was a thing on television no no we're off to a bad start it was a thing on tv not that it it i got the wrong preposition (laughs) that'll that'll cost you twenty dollars next question uh okay well this substance particularly found in gelatin is used to make slime videos i got it what is mucus Nope, I'm sorry. We were looking for the ge- we were looking for glue. Glue. That was close enough. Oh <clears throat> uh, well. <laughs> anyway, this is the. Uh, it's great. You have a podcast now about television uh, shows available. Uh, the first episode was about the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. Funny, it was a game show. <laughs> well, that that was um, by consensus. That that was actually our first legitimate entry our first submission into our master list of shows we need to cover and oh oh by the way you didn't introduce me what type of host are you (laughs) she whiz that's it i'm going to another podcast if this continues but anyhow so when we created our master list and the master list legitimately at this point is almost at a thousand different entries uh so that that's only like 20 years worth of shows if we do two a week <laughs> welcome to you, you you just did what i call the, the the game shows i suppose effect where you're like oh this is technically a game show oh this is technically a game show and next thing you know oh, you have like five gone, years oh, oh we've we've gone all over the place and actually we started doing uh two episodes a week just because we have such a i don't want to necessarily say a backlog i mean it's a backlog but also there's so many good shows we want to cover. No, I mean, um, it's it's, but, it's a fun show. Go on to explain what the show's about. Uh. Well, basically, it's myself and uh, Greg Diener and uh, Chico Alexander. We talk about a, a show, a, a short-lived or bizarre or just outright bad show. Uh, we sometimes look at the ratings. We look at the different episodes. We look at... We look at it all at all sorts of different perspectives, and uh, we've covered everything. We've done reality shows. Uh, Actually, just last night, we recorded one about a reality show and a quasi-reality slash game show, and actually, we also did another episode last night, not about a show at all. Sometimes we get off into different topics about different different actors, personalities, uh, different... um, types of ad campaigns. I mean, anything that would have been on TV legitimately we cover. Uh, And when will this show be out? Um, You know, it'll probably be out in two weeks, so. Okay, so I can tell you what episodes we did last night. Okay. Yeah. So last night, uh, and this will be up uh, starting tomorrow night, which is uh, Sunday the the 26th, we did an episode on The Joe Schmo Show Season 1. We did uh, the, the game show slash reality show was Banzai. And then we also did the, 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 the not show specific show was a Super Bowl special about the history of the Bud Bowl. Did, did, who won more, Bud or Bud Light? Uh, I think we determined Bud won like, I, I, there were, I think, seven true matchups or eight true matchups. There were actually a total of nine Bud Bowls, but they only had like seven, I think, uh, competitions. And I think Bud won six of them. And that explains why my co- when my cousin and I bet all, every year on that, he kept on winning because that bastard probably knew the, the Bud team was going to win. They're not my yes, Bud. Yes, we were that board back in the day. We wagered on the Bud Bowl. 
That sounds amazing, though. That would be like the White Claw Bowl or something. Just it, like. it, 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 it sounds like habitual gamblers being created at age 15 and 16, personally. <laughs> How do you make prop yeah, bets? But, but yeah, our show, uh, or our show, the uh, list of shows we have right now, or the list of topics, is just under 1,000. We're at, like I think, 975, and we cover everything from dead networks to... Again, personalities. I mean, we're even going to have a show devoted specifically to an announcer, and that's coming up in October. Uh, we're getting into commercials. We're getting into – we're going to have a best-of-year show, the best-of-2020 show at the end of this year. And trust me, we already have about four or five contenders for that. We're not even outside of January. Uh, we also are getting into sort of television-centric stuff. Like, we're going to be doing a video game show in February. We're going to be doing a board game show in, I believe, May. Uh, so, yeah, we're covering, like, anything and everything we can think of. And, like, every day we're coming up with, like, 15 or 20 new topics that we could potentially cover. If you want your Winnie the Snapple Lady uh, biography, this is the podcast for you. <laughs> She's not on the list. I think I should add that. Now, actually, we, we don't have uh, many devoted specifically to, to personalities. I mean, like I said, there's one about an announcer that's going to be coming up in October. Uh, I think there's another one. But, I mean, realistically, there's no more than, like, five that are devoted to, or five topics, I should say, not even shows at this point, five ideas for shows devoted to a single person. Um you should do one where it's a different sound stage, like a Thirty Rock sound stage or like a Warner Brothers sound stage, and just like go through like the history of like what play on that one sound stage. Because that's some, that might be funny. Go from like, oh, this is where Gone of the Wind is, and also this is where they filmed Ellen's Game of Games, and you're like, what? <laughs> well, we we sort of started doing that early on when we were creating the schedule. Not necessarily going through like a history of sound stages per se. But for the first, actually, I think for, uh, well, the first episodes that we actually scheduled, we had themed blocks for, uh, when it was once a week, we had it for three or four weeks. We did uh, actually two shows about Fred Silverman bombs from the 70s, Super Train and, uh, and Hello, Larry. We had the first four episodes, starting with Match Game Hollywood Squares, like you said, that was... 1983 NBC failures, kind of, sort of. I mean, we love Match Game Hollywood Squares, but obviously you, you put those two together and it just didn't work out that well. I love the bloopers on that show. Can't wait to bust out laughing. Oh, just you wait. Just you wait. I, I put a poll up on Twitter saying, do you guys want to hear a blooper episode or outtakes? And and Greg and Chico are like, who the hell would want to hear our goofiness? And I'm like, you know, we say some of the goofiest stuff on here. And I'll, I have uh, a number of the episodes saved, especially over the last month and a half or so. And I said, let's see what happens. Let's see if the people want it. If the people want it, we can throw it on as like a bonus episode uh, or some sort of filler because I'm out of town or Chico's out of town or our schedules don't work for whatever reason. But yeah, we got we have... Maybe a little bit of inside baseball, some inside jokes that people wouldn't necessarily understand with a backstory, but it, it, it's very funny. Uh, and then uh, just taking a look at what's coming up, and, and we actually have our schedule almost complete for the year 2020. So we're almost a, a year 
ahead of schedule in terms of, of, of planning. Uh, we're going to have in the month of March, we're going to have uh, a, a month devoted to short-lived television shows that we absolutely loved. And we'll also have a baseball-themed episode for the start of the baseball season. Uh, in the month of April, we're looking at unaired pilots, or actually aired pilots, sort of like an April Fool's gag. Um, and then uh, we have, in June, late June, we have uh, a week devoted to Mel Brooks television flops. And if you know what Mel Brooks has done in television, you might be able to get one or both of those titles. We have a week devoted just related to Red Fox and Sanford and Son. Well, we're not going to Sanford and Son, but we're going to go to adjacent shows to Sanford and Son. Great. Sanford Arms. Yeah, yeah, those types of shows. Uh, We have three weeks devoted just to the Olympics. Three weeks devoted just to the Olympics. That's coming up in in, uh, summer, in late July. Uh, then we're doing, uh, for back to school, we're doing, uh, at least right now, three back to school shows. There might be more sh- shows coming down the line. And then we're going to have a little block in late October for Halloween themed shows or Halloween themed topics, I should say, not necessarily shows. And then right before the election, we're going to have, at least right now, we have three episodes, but we had an addition this week. So it might be four episodes devoted to, the presidential election. Like what? Like, not like the West Wing, but like... Uh... Uh, like That's My Bush. Okay, like That's My Bush, Little Bush. Uh... Little Bush was the one we just added the other day. Little Bush, Carter Country. Carter Country. And then the other one is... The rapping Ronnie Reagan <laughs> music video. No, no. The, the other one uh, isn't a TV show at all. We're going to cover Dan Rather going totally off the rails during the election night 2004. <laughs> So that ought to be really fun right there, just getting all the sound bites and all the quotes of just the wacky stuff he was saying uh, election night in 2004 when people thought that he truly lost his marbles. <laughs> well, that sounds like a blast. <laughs> it, oh, that one should be really fun. But uh, again, we got a lot of great topics coming up. And uh, again, not to tread on your expertise, we do have a number of game shows coming up. Um, as I said, Bonsai, as of the time we uh, are talking, we recorded it last night. It'll be up later on this week. But then around the time that uh, that this show airs, we're going to have an episode devoted to... Well, actually, we have a lot of episodes uh, related to game shows in February. Um, we're going to have an episode devoted to the $50,000 Pyramid. Okay. We're going ha- we're gonna to have a, a Bill Cullen 100th birthday tribute looking at winning streak, the love experts, and how do you like your eggs? Oh, no, those are three. That's three weeks of episodes for me. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, we're going to compile it into uh, maybe about 15 minutes per episode. So it'll be about 40, 45 minutes long, uh, long enough for probably a good commute, a decent commute to and from work. And the last one, and this one, I apologize if the language is is inappropriate, if, if any kids are listening, but we've... We've at least titled this one, uh, a preliminary title for this is called Tom Poston Game Show Bullshittery. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. Uh, And and what that consists is the the final password plus where he uh, basically had brain farts and cost somebody $8,000 at alphabetics and his infamous $0 winner's circle in the pyramid in the late 80s. 
And of course, after we saw it for the first time on Buzzer back in, I think it was November by this point, November or, or early December, Tom Poston taking a sweet fucking time at the Match Game Hollywood Squares Super Match. All right. Blomp. De- December, de- December 23rd, 1983. Look for it on YouTube. I created a a, a, uh, a loop. A you created like a gym recording like of that. An hour of that. <laughs> I saw that no, I no, 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 mumbling. Mumble, 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 mumble. Yeah, we 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 are a a goofy bunch, but we're a dedicated bunch to say the least. <laughs> That's all the time we have tonight. Thank you so much. I was gonna say that sort of describes you. We're a dedicated bunch, but we're a little off kilter. That also sounds like the office manager. We like to have fun around here. You might think we like the accounting agency. We're all boring people just clicking calculators all day. Yeah, we're the cool office, but once the owner comes in, damn it, we go down to business. <laughs> Where are those reports, Jenkins? I, I, uh, I, I, I used them for spitballs. <laughs> I made paper airplanes, and I knocked it in, into Helen's hair. <laughs> hey, where's my Nerf gun hiding? <laughs> oh, man, it's over by the marshmallow launch we haven't used since 2009. Gosh, this reminds me of the well. I shouldn't say good old days. They were they were good. Well, they're old at this point. They're decent. When I worked in an office for about four years, then I'm like, do I actually want to spend the next thirty or forty of my uh, forty years of my life doing? No, I'm gonna become a teacher and help out society. And fourteen years later, I'm still doing it. Yeah, applaud. We're we're having applause and everything. <laughs> it, it, it pays the bills. It does somewhat. Pay teachers more wages. (laughs) A living wage. All right. Um. Anyway, this week's episode of Game Shows, I suppose, uh, we're talking about clever dicks. Get your minds out of the gutter, folks. That's right. The game show is called Clever Dicks. Clever dicks. Clever dicks. Clever dicks. Clever dicks. We got. We're getting out of our system. Clever dicks. Clever dicks. There goes the clean rating. Oh, would you rather do it in Anne when it come, boys? Clever dicks! Hmm, clever dick! Clever dick! Who's gonna be your clever dick this week? Clever dick! I, uh. I'm very sorry, I just... No, I, I, I'm not uh, referring to what we're doing here or, or, or what you're doing. Uh, I went to Urban Dictionary to see if there's actually a true Urban Dictionary definition of clever dick because she mentions on the show that Clever dick is a real term for somebody like, that's like really smart or intelligent. And sorry, we couldn't find clever dick. Or you can try one of these, and I'm afraid to, to click on the first two of these. They're the same thing. One's just capitalized. I don't want to know what a clitter dick is. <laughs> I'm going to... Yeah, so, 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 so this clever dick is just an entirely made-up term, if, if you believe Urban Dictionary, because Urban Dictionary wouldn't lie. That would have all the slang. So either it got taken off of Urban Dictionary, or it's some figment of Anne Whittacombe's imagination. Which is a lot, because it's Anne Whittacombe. She's known to have a lot of imagination. She, she's a personality, to say the least, yes. A personality, a political uh, <laughs> personality. A, a, a polarizing personality, even. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's the nicest thing we could say about Anne Whittacombe. No, it really is. She, she's very uh, polarizing, especially 
uh, given the world stage now and, and the politics that's happening. Yeah, overseas. she was on the Brexit party. She was running on the Brexit party this this last yeah. election. Yeah, she's one of those types. She used to be a conservative, thinking she could, um, I would say, like, a cross between she thinks she was Thatcher and she thought she could be Theresa May. <laughs> like, she thinks she, like, I can be the old lady that can be the dignitary that's dominant. And then, like, no, she's more or less the, like, grouchy old woman. And on yeah, the she's show, a- she's still the grouchy old woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's the cantankerous neighbor who lives across the street from you who's going to call the city on you if you don't mow your lawn in the next two minutes. She is a Karen who's grown up into politics and is now, like, in her she's retirement She's the Karen years. of politics. I love it. She wants to speak to your manager now. She would. She would. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she would. I don't like my toad in the hole. It's a little too spicy. I need to speak to your manager. Is that another sexual innuendo? A toad in a hole? It's a British No, I know. It's, 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 it's a type of food. My clever dick is in your toad's hole. <laughs> is Why are you talking about, you crazy old lady? Get out of here. I had a fish and chip, and the chip did not have salt on it, and I need the aquatic amount of salt. This clever dick needs a chip. This clever It's like, not even Ann Robinson. At least Ann was, like, snarky funny. <laughs> well, but she took her role, like, overly seriously. And, and I, I mean, I'm sure she has, you know, some sort of reputation to uphold, you know, being formerly in the government. But, I mean, she would rarely, if ever, crack up. I mean, at least Anne Robinson, if there was one zinger, I mean, there was a time, one or two zingers, boom, she's lost it. But I don't think Anne Whittacombe ever, ever lost it. She always had this sort of stuffy persona, which, I mean, realistically, I could see somebody who was uh, in the House of Lords or House of Commons having. I have heard all this bullshit. I give up on life. I'm going to host a quiz show now on television. And you're going to be a stuffy uh, host. But the no, show is also wrong. very I'm stuffy, not too. bullshit on this show. Jordan Rules. Oh, there's the name of the show. Jordan Rules. Okay. If I say you're right, I know you're right. If I say you're wrong, I know you're wrong. What's two plus two? Eh, four. No, I think two plus two is Saturn. Not you lose. <laughs> That's not how I would do a game show. Come on. <laughs> you know, if I did a game show, you would be like, you buzz in four, and I would just, like, do the game show. You sure it's four? You sure? Do you want to use a lifeline or two or three or four? Four? And, as, as soon as, and just, four? like, keep, like, as they go, like, in series, like, it's four. It's four. I know it's four. You know it's four? <laughs> yeah, and, and then you, they're like, huh, you know, I'm going to rethink this. I think it might be Saturn. <laughs> Jordan, I, I think just the way that you're reacting, I think the right answer to this is Saturn. Two plus two is equal to Saturn. That's my final answer. Oh, and I'm then so you're s- just like cackling backstage. <laughs> I saved the company money. That's it. That's that's me. That's how mean I am. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not going to be on your game show. Oh. <laughs> oh, first off, I'd be ineligible as all heck. But second, no, you're you're not. I can't. I can't screw you. I can't screw you over. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. If uh, you ask me, you know, who's the uh, the eighth prime minister in the history of Sweden? No, I'm sorry. I'm not falling for the bait of Joe Jonas. No, you know, think it's Joe, Joe Jonas? Jonas. Yeah. Now that you now that you mentioned that, Joe Jonas 
I, I think he's like one uh, fourteenth percent uh, uh, Swedish. It could be him. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be that Joe Jonas. It could just be a guy named Joe Jonas that has. It the could same be name somebody as... named Joe Jonas, but it just Joe Jonas. I mean, it could be. It could be Mo Monus. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> That's gonna be the name of my show, Mo Monus. Who wants more Monus? Yeah, Mo- coming soon to Paramount Network. <laughs> Uh, what the hell's Monus? I don't know. Who wants Mo? <laughs> Are you Mo? <laughs> no, I'm Mike. <laughs> it's the Joe Mo show. Uh, so, so one trick of Clever Dicks, which I guess we should actually bring up here, is the gra- first of all, the graphics in this show is is brilliant of the of the time because this is all outlines and blacks and whites and reds and. Well, this is eight years ago at this point. It's 2012. And you honestly could put it on TV nowadays, and it would look new. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful graphics, amazing set. I mean, everything about this show, it, it sort of makes you wonder, A, you know, why didn't a bigger network get it? Uh, because it did only run 30 shows. But also, you know, how did it only find life in one series of uh, being originally shown on Sky Atlantic? And then I think it reran... Well, I know it reran for at least a full series on uh, on Challenge TV, but beyond that, I don't know if it's uh, uh, ever aired again. I mean, I don't follow Challenge TV as as, as closely as people who live over there. I think they still do there. Impact Wrestling on that. Other than that, I don't know. Um, it's so weird that Challenge is still going on. It's like Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> Takeshi's Castle is priceless. Uh, the, the reruns of Bullseye probably still in Blockbusters. Oh well, well th- at this point, how many you know years of of uh, of, of bullseye was uh, there? I mean, it had to have lasted probably. I'm guessing about eight or nine seasons, and then there there was that one season uh, that I think Challenge did back in like 2006. Yeah, they with, did their own uh, version with with, with, um, with Dave. I think it was Dave Spikey was his name. You know, old silver haired fox guy is like, hey, how's it going? I'm gonna be a funny man, fun, funny, fun. Uh, and with Clever Dicks, this gra- I think it was just ahead of the curve in terms of graphic design and set, because this felt very tenable, very... Uh... Yeah, well, ten- it's tenable, but instead of tenable with the the pastels, with the, the purples and the greens and the blues, the those pastel colors, it was heavy on a nice solid red and black. A red and black, kind of like red and black, uh, that British game show. Uh, and the other twist that they had besides Ann Whittacombe, who doesn't give a fuck, uh, is the uh, the trivia on the show is very different than any other game show. Be- I would even compare it possibly to Double Dare, the CBS version. Uh, it, it was very challenging to begin with. I mean, they give you clues, and the clues will get easier as time goes on. Uh, there was no penalty for getting a wrong answer, but... That would be, I mean, if I was to look at maybe a Double Dare ever being revived, the closest I think that would get to TV is something like Clever Dicks. It was, and it's really, and really, only the first couple rounds of Clever Dicks is Double Dares. It, it, it has almost like three or four distinct rounds inside the game. I mean, it's 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 very different and very. I'm going to say it's very addictive. It's it's a great TV show. It's a play. There's a play along factor with Clever Dicks. Oh, there's a huge play-along um, factor, yes. 
it almost I would almost compare it to only connect. You know, like how only connect clues you unravels and then you finally figure it out in your brain. This has right. that same effect where it's the I was prime minister from 1861 to 1695. Yeah, it's straightforward trivia more than the only connect lateral uh, thinking. But also there's no uh, pop culture trivia. This is the one game show I can think of where there is no quote unquote trash. They don't do trash on the show. They did a little bit. Um, I I was watching some episodes last night to prepare myself for this adventure uh <laughs> this adventure what am i saying this is an adventure we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna fight a giant ogre and it's an adventure into clever dicks <laughs> we got to fight in Whittacombe in the giant behemoth tower of of triangles falling down and we have to answer them correctly in two minutes oh we'll get to that later that, that that's actually one of my favorite bonus games uh so uh, there was. I was actually watching uh, the premiere episode last night, and one of the questions, which was gotten immediately, was about Lady Gaga, which would be uh, well. It's still contemporary now, but it was even more contemporary in 2012 slash late 2011. And also, I'm just taking a look. Clever Dicks actually aired on Challenge now, not necessarily consecutively, but it aired from 2012 to 2015. So obviously, it sounds like there was. Uh, at least uh, a couple of showings of that series. Uh, but since it's only lasted 30 episodes or six weeks, yeah, it could have also been just rerun to death, you know, since uh, the series would be rerun in, in a month and a half, more or less. You could have shown it 10 times a year. You could have shown it 30 or 40 times in that in that three-year span. It is... Uh... It's 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 an interesting format. I, I I had to get the rules back just so I can remember what was like because all I vividly because re- I almost switched up round two and one. Yeah, round round two is similar to round one, but uh, a, a little bit different. There's a little bit more of a twist to it. Okay, so there's it's it's basically it follows the what I always say is the ten little Indians rule: the ten to nine to eight to seven to six. But in this show, it's only four: four to three, three to two, two to one. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, I thought you were talking about points. You're talking about contestants. Yes. We're talking contestants. The way yes. we eliminate people per round, like in Tipping Point or... Uh, I'm trying to figure out other game shows where, like, Distraction, I guess. Four to three to three to two to two to one. It's basically different rounds. In round one, each person gets their own set of two minutes uh, to answer as many questions as possible. The And it's they get five clues. With each clue, <laughs> they lose a point. Uh, but it's more easier to figure it out. It starts from very difficult, like if it was Lady Gaga, probably like Stephanie was her was the first clue, and then no, it goes actually, what, actually, what it was, uh, I, I don't remember the exact wording, but it was some magazine. I don't know if it was Time or somebody else uh, ra- rated her as the eleventh most influential woman in the world in twenty eleven or twenty ten. See that's see that's a good broad quote, and then it gets more specific. Little monsters, probably, and then. Well, well, this was gotten on the first clue, so we yeah. don't. I don't know what the other clues were, and it wasn't even brought up because uh, they just but, go straight into it. They have to move on because this is two minutes of ongoing, faster, 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 and and, and 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 if you get the question right on the first clue, you get your five points. But also, Ann Whitcomb says, mm, "Clever Dick." because <laughs> he got so just the, the, one the, just clever dick <laughs> yeah, yeah just clever dick next clue or next category 
it's an insect. And then, <laughs> what, phew, I, and then okay, th this is of the genus blah, 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 blah. Uh, phew, it can reproduce 40 times a year. Phew. You know, just uh, it, it keeps on going. And, and, um, if you don't know it, instead of wasting time on a category you might not know or might not be able to even get like one or two points out of, you can pass it and still say the answer, and then you go to a new category. But you can't say the word pass. <laughs> you can't good. say, yeah, you can pass. You can say the word pass. I thought they say you have to say move on, and I will. <laughs> uh, I thought I saw pass again. I, I saw a couple of episodes last night. I'm pretty sure they used the word pass. Uh, you know, uh, Anne may say moving on. The answer is. Is Prince Charles or whatever? Because he wants to make it stand out different than Mastermind, I think. Because she's that petty. Uh, well, it's definitely not Mastermind. I mean, it's Mastermind in terms of uh, intellectual level, in terms of the difficulty of the trivia, but in terms of the setting itself, I mean, I can't see like uh, John Humphrey or Magnus von, von Magnuson or uh, the original host name calling somebody. Oh, clever dick, you got 14 points in that round. <laughs> J just can't see that. It's too dignified. <laughs> you started. I started, so I'll finish. Clever dick. I, I, I started, you clever dick. I will finish. <laughs> oh, I feel dirty saying that. That's what you have to do. You have to say clever dick over and over again. So after all four people have done their two minutes of basic trivia questions, uh, they pass... Or they keep going. They try to get one point. Uh, whoever has the lowest score is, of course, eliminated from the game. Round two, uh, it is uh, similar to round one in that there's five clues. And that's the only difference. It's a, the difference is, though, when you buzz in and give the correct answer, you get basically three-point follow-ups, like in Ben Stein's Money. Yeah, three single-point follow-ups. But also, we should add that the scores are wiped clean after round one. Wipe, wipe, so wipe. So if you... So, actually, this uh, happened on the uh, premiere episode. Somebody, believe it or not, in two minutes, somebody accrued 44 points. Jeez, clever dick. Four, uh, th 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 that person had five clever dicks in, in that two minutes. And what a lucky guy he was to have five clever dicks in two minutes. Huh? Whoa, know, right? whoa, hey, now, whoa, ho chi mama. We'll be playing at the Yuck Yuck Comedy Club. But, but yeah, so he got five clues uh, right or five categories right on the first clue so he got 25 points on those just alone and the score ended up being like he had 44 and then second place was i want to say 11 or 17 and then i think nine and uh the person that got booted had eight points so that, that's Keep all going. nice and well for round one but you clear the scores and uh, around two you start over and there's eight of these uh, these categories, these rounds, where you basically play the, the clever dicks against the clock. You, you have the five clues. If you buzz in right, you get three follow-ups on that category or that item or a related category for one point each. And what actually happened is the person who was in second place uh, on the premiere episode ended up with like 22 or 23 points. The person who was in third place, the person who had the, the nine points, ended up with, I want to say, about like 14 points or 15 points. And the person who scored 44 got bounced because he only had like 12 points. <laughs> so, so, so you and the thing is, this person, he uh, in his uh, his interview at the start of the show, he did win 64,000 pounds on Millionaire. Uh, and actually taking a little further look into 
uh, Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, as we say on, on my show. He has he's one of the, the brightest people in England. He's been on many game shows, not just Millionaire, other game shows. And uh and I think he's even like one of the, the highly ranked quizzing players in England. And I mean he obviously did really well getting 44 points in round one, but in round two he got the boot. I mean, it sort of ruins a really good round three and potentially round four because he probably would have blitzed the competition uh, since it's a little more straightforward. But uh, th- that's just the way it is. And actually, the, the winner of the first episode, he uh, was on for, I believe, four or five episodes. He, uh, he was on the episode that we looked at earlier. And I know I've seen him on at least two or three other shows. And again, on Wikipedia, I think it said he was on University Challenge. And I, th- I know I saw him on Only Connect at some point. So uh, these are truly ringers. These are people who make the rounds. They want serious trivia people. Grand Slam's they, no longer on the air. They, they want the best of the best. Set. Yeah, they wanted the best of the best. Dead serious. They didn't want anybody who uh, would be getting one or, or two points in, in a round. They were bringing out the big boys. And then uh, after round two, when it's the, uh, the, five cl- the five clues and the three bonus points per that. And again, top two move on. Lois gets bounced. Round three, even though I love round four's bonus round, we'll get to that. Round three, I think, is my favorite round of cleverness. Oh, round three is so fun. I'm sorry. Every time I watch this and somebody got eliminated, I died. It, it, it's just, it's hilarious to me for some reason. I don't know if it's Anne or the sound effects or the graphics or a combination of all those, but I just loved round three and the final round. If somebody lost, oh, it, it, I, I, it, I don't know if it just brought perverse joy in me, but it was great. It's a great, great final round because it is just this. Uh, it's kind of like, partially kind of like uh, the the chest, the, the the a chess match, but it's also one where it's based on your uh, where you keep having these triangles fall on you every few seconds and if you're wrong you get a triangle if you're right your opponent gets a triangle oh no 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 what i i just i want to clarify what it is is it's just straightforward trivia none of the the double dareish five clues uh you get the question right you either stay at the bottom with no triangles or if you have any triangles you get one removed and if you get it wrong you get a triangle added to your stack so it, it isn't necessarily like match game Hollywood squares where if somebody agrees and they should have disagreed, the opponent gets the square and the money. It, it, it's totally independent of one another. So your actual progress depends solely on how well you answer the trivia questions with a little bit of luck. Because if you get a number uh, of questions wrong early on, you can easily go on a mini roll and get rid of that stack. But if you end up doing really good early but late, you miss a lot of questions. You're going to lose because one thing that Jordan and I haven't mentioned is there's a bar that slowly scrolls down the screen, and once the bar or your top, the, the once your bar or the bar reaches your tower, or once your tower touches the the line that's moving down, the game's over. So the thing is. It's actually like a, a, a good three, four minute round because a number of the, the bar goes very slowly. But also, if you have some good players, it might end up being a, an issue where the first wrong answer uh, after the bar. Uh, the, the bar can the go really, answer, really down. Like we're talking lower thirds level of how low it can go. 
Oh, oh, or even lower than that. But yeah, it could. You're going back and forth, and everybody's getting a question right, and then you slip up on that one, and eh, 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 you lose. It's very high pressure, very tense, but very amazing. And that's my favorite round. It's this clever. It's this very. Cl- I would say I'd say clever because we're using clever dicks a lot. But it's a clever. But it is. But it is. It's such a clever bonus round, and it's like this one little nugget in this one game show that's kind of forgotten in some cases. It needs to be reminded. Like this is a, this is such a great round because it's chess clock mixed with triangles mixed with like if you're on a streak, you have that. <laughs> like yeah, I mean this round by itself, to be honest, is enough reason for that this show should have lasted more than thirty episodes. But it is, it's amazingly great, yes. And, and of course, the last one standing wins the game, is a clever dick, and goes on to uh, not only play for the bonus round this episode, but comes back next time to play against three other contestants. And they're not playing necessarily for high stakes. The winner of the first three rounds, or the person who advances to the final round, I should say, they've won nothing at this point. The only way they win money is if they win the bonus round. And, and the bonus think- round starts off at 1,000 pounds and goes up 1,000 pounds every day it isn't won. And it doesn't get won often, I'll tell you that. And it's it's well it's it's the British game show. It's the throw with 2,000 for understanding World War II generals and <laughs> hope for the best. It, um, it, it's the hardest anybody will ever work for on a game show for 1,000 pounds. I mean, it's, it's that challenging. It is. And, a- and that fun, that tense. It's it it's challenging and I will don't tell anyone this. Do not do not. I know we're don't don't tell anyone this. I like this bonus run way more than the final chase. I love it too. I, I, more I really than the final well, chase. Well, well, Everyone's like the all the chase. The chase. The is final the chase is, is tough for me to say is is worse than this. I mean they they're both excellent on their own merits. This one is more unique. I mean the the chase obviously. You're, you know, all the survivors are going against uh, the beast or the governess or who have you. Hi, Anne. This, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, this is one person going against basically the house, going against the, the Tower of Triangles. And it isn't necessarily how many questions can you get right. It's can your Tower of Triangles stay under the bar that's stationary? It's not moving. Can your Tower of Triangles stay under the bar after two minutes, if the Tower of Triangles ever passes the bar, game over. We'll see you next time you're going to play for 2,000 pounds or whatever. But if your your Tower of Triangles stays below the line, and I think the, the Tower of Triangles, I think if you have a, a backlog of eight questions, that's what sets off the, the alarm saying that you're going to lose. Because questions drop down at a rate of about once every, I'd say probably five seconds. Yeah, so like, like it's it's it, like Tetris. Like it, 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 oh, it's Tetris. That's a perfect way of describing it. Except the the blocks don't fall or the triangles don't fall any faster. They're consistent about five or six seconds for every question. So uh, it gives you enough time for Anne to read the question and the contestant to get an answer out before the next block or the next triangle falls. The next block. See what you did talking about Tetris. The next triangle falls down. And it just becomes this uh, this push and shove. Like every, what I think people love about the chase is things like when Mark Labette or the or uh, the Sinner Man, and they have that amazing streak of like twenty correct answers in a row in that two minutes. And they're also great personalities. They make that show so much fun. 
Clever Dicks, I mean, it, it's all about that streak as well. But It's about that streak, but you don't have anything with a personality. Even Ann Whittacom doesn't have a personality. This is... But, <laughs> oh, that's but, a good but, point. But, 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 but yeah, that's why I said you're playing against the house. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you've, you've got... On the chase, you have, as you said, Mark Labette, and, uh, and he gets frustrated kind of easily. Uh, you, you've got... Uh, Jenny you know, Ryan um, now. You know, Jenny Ryan. You've got uh, Ann Hegarty, who has to play the, the school marm governess type to the hilt. Uh, you have Paul Sinner, the comedian, who makes an occasional joke afterwards. But then you have the barrister. And man, does he take this like a death sport. I mean, if he loses, he takes it personally. If he wins, just another day at the office. <clears throat> like, those are the kind of contestants, like, the chasers are the only ones you can think of that can win Clever Dicks. No, well, like I said, there were a couple of winners. Um, and actually, one thing that we forgot to mention, you didn't have to answer all the questions. You're given two drops. And what the drop did was it removed a question if you got stumped on it. So people would use it like if they're absolutely totally out of ideas for a question. Because in the bonus round, you can give as many answers as you want just as long as you get the right answer out. So uh, one of the questions, and uh, this is – it's not an inc incident I'm going to talk about in a moment. One of the questions was uh, what is the time difference between China and Afghanistan? And the answer was three and a half hours. So you could have gone half an hour, one hour, one and a half hours, two hours, two and a half hours, three hours, three and a half hours. Correct. Next. So you could give 50 wrong answers and you'll still get credit for the question if your 51st answer is correct. Which I like. I like that you can keep going. Especially uh, given the, 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 the difficulty of some of these questions. You know, who is the 17th Earl of West? Who the hell cares? Outside of maybe uh, the eighteenth world, uh, George, <laughs> just start saying first names. Yeah, they, they just prattle off anything and everything they can think of. You know, in what state? Okay, if they don't know U.S. geography or whatever the the, the questions about, they'll just go through all the fifty states until they hit the right one. Knowing like, that the more they say, blocks are going to stack up <laughs> after like ten seconds, and it's just like right. And that's the reason you have the the two drops and. That actually became vitally important on the second to last episode, which I, again, I saw the, the bonus round last night because there was an incident, and this is actually mentioned on, I don't know if it's still called Game Show Garbage or if they officially go by Game Show Gumbo or if there's a combination of the two, but I, I did give this to, uh, to Cindy Seidelman back uh, when this originally aired eight years ago. This contestant was just breezing through the questions. There were no triangles being stacked up uh, about a minute into the round. So he's halfway through the round. He's like really clear to win this game. And it was, I think, 5,000 pounds at the time. It was not an insignificant amount of money. 5,000 pounds is probably about six and a half to seven thousand dollars US. So it was a decent prize uh, amount for one day's worth of work. So then he hits the question. And the question had to do with uh, a, a breed of cow that uh, shared its name with two counties of Scotland. And one of them is easy, Angus. I mean, you think of cows, Angus is a Scottish name. Okay, so that one's easy. But then the other one, and he's going through like every Scottish county he's thinking of, and he can't get it. Meanwhile, the triangles are accumulating, accumulating, accumulating. And I'm guessing that Anne Whittacombe couldn't or, well, she didn't, but maybe she couldn't prompt the contestant by saying, 
oh, you, you have two drops because this person was on this question for not even joking, uh, a, a minute until the tower hit the, the line. And I think there were maybe about 10 seconds left. If he used, he had both drops. If he used one, that would have at least opened the, the pathway to maybe getting more questions right, but absolute worst case scenario, drop, drop, and then you've got enough room, uh, two or three triangles worth of room where you would have survived that last 10 seconds because there have only been probably realistically one more question dropping because if it dropped at 10 seconds, it should drop another question probably in the four-second range or five-second range. Meanwhile, this outline of a suited tuxedo man just with his arms crossed stares at you, and you're just like, what? Oh, yeah, that's another thing. The, the silhouettes of the guys in the background, the suits, and you know, l- looking like, uh, like, like executives or something. So, some classy, preppy executive you know, staring you down. No, you're not good. You're not good enough to be a clever dick. You're not a clever dick. Uh, <clears throat> so but, got- but yeah, the, the, the game itself, I mean, it, it may be one of my favorite new games of the 2010s. That's- I, I just love it. It's clever. It makes you, th- well, obviously it's clever. It's right there in the show title. <laughs> it, make, it makes you think it's got a great set. We didn't even talk about the podiums. Oh, we go to podiums. Well, it isn't. They aren't podiums or lecterns per se. It's one giant row of, and and, and I don't even want to call it a table, but there are four people that started in this this structure or behind the structure, and it was shaped sort of like a zigzag, but with a truncated top, a flattened top. So it, it sort of like went up like a zigzag, flattened out sort of like a mesa. And then back, you know, down zigzag and continue back up, flat top, down, and so on. And so what happened is the four players, uh, when there were four players in round one, they stood in the gaps between the downward slope and the upward slope. Or did they do it the other way around? Think the triangle. Think the triangles. You put four triangles up, like five triangles up, four triangles down. It was either that or four, three. I think it was... Yeah, it must have been 5-4, so they stood in the gaps of the triangles, and there was a monitor there each person, but then for three players, they stood on the three flat tops, or not stood on, stood behind the three flat tops, and they had seven monitors uh, on the uh, on this, the, this, this structure. So it, it easily uh, worked for you know, any number of contestants that were left in the game, so you didn't have to remove anything or add anything. You just had the players step over or, or, you know, move to the left, move to the right. And then you power down the monitors that were going to be used in that round. And you powered off the ones that weren't going to be used. I, yeah. It was clever. Again, there's the word clever. It, it, it was just very cool wise. in that regard because, you know, your entire stage is right there. You don't need to have stage hands moving anything. All you need to do is just flip a couple of switches probably and tell people, okay, move half a step to your right. It, right. it was an amazing game. And there's pieces and chunks out there, but uh, as I mentioned earlier, I got all 30 episodes, and I, I shared with Jordan uh, that actually I had them on, on a Google Drive up until about three years ago, uh, but I took them down because there's another show I wanted to put up there. But they were available. I, I doubt they're still available, but they were available back in the day, back in 2012 and 2013, at least for most of the series, because... The first episode was on a, a torrent site, but then once it got rerun on 
on challenge, somebody upload the other 29 episodes. So it's out there if you can find it. And now watch, I'm going to get bombarded with emails and messages. Hey, can you send me dicks? I want to see the clever dicks. Give me the dick. Send me those dick pics. The clever dick pics. Clever take picture videos. Hey, Jordan, you remember on uh, first and last a few weeks ago, they did that contest about how many times pointless going to be mentioned in an episode of pointless. Yeah. How many times will the word clever dicks be mentioned in this episode? In in this podcast episode? Uh, yes. I'm probably sure in between windows and... Uh... Well, well, no, I, I, think, I, I have, uh, oddly enough, next to me, one of the uh, baseball pitch counters, which you hold in your hand, one of the little clicky things like this. You oh, hear no. that? Yeah. I should just like keep on doing this and just land on an arbitrary number in like about 10 seconds. And, and we'll see how many, you know, that'll be like our baseline count as to how many times we've said clever dicks thus far this episode. I'm going to say we've said maybe like 39 times, 40. Okay. I can't even joke about this. I'm, I'm dead serious. And I mean, if you want me to take a picture and, and show it to you. The number of times that I just randomly clicked this, how appropriate is this for a show named Clever Dicks? 69. I think that we nailed it. 69. <clears throat> nice. Nice. Then It's a nice game show, just with not a nice host. Well, what show are you talking about? I'm not saying it because then it breaks the counter. I don't want to break it, 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 Is this now like Beetlejuice? We can't say it three times in a row? Well, I don't want to ruin the nice number. I don't. It's nice. <laughs> i'll just put the counter down okay <laughs> so uh you're gonna say it before the end of the show and i will mark it here as 70 <laughs> thank so, you to mike klaus for joining us to talk about that tv show what tv show jordan <laughs> the one i can't say <laughs> it's the uh <laughs> you you're know so hell bent on that counter staying at 69 i can tell uh, you, it's, it's, uh, so the question now is like, should this show be revived? Should the show be Americanized? Is it possible to be Americanized? Is it possible? It's so obscure. Uh, well, first off, I think we'd have to have a name change, <laughs> but uh, I, I think it's so obscure that really it, it wouldn't come over here. Uh, could it be revived overseas? Yeah, there is a bit of a following. Cause, uh, like I said, somebody, a friend of mine on social media, said does anybody have the episodes of of that show? we're gonna refer to that show the rest of the show because you're stuck on that number that fixation so he said do you have any episodes of the, of the show and i said yes i do and I, I tried sending it to him through uh i think messenger and email and then ultimately i said you know what i'll put him on google drive and he got him from google drive but uh so there is a following uh, in that regard that connoisseurs do enjoy it and i and i do know that a number of my friends thoroughly enjoy it but the problem is it sort of falls in the same territory uh, at least domestically as only connect maybe countdown to a lesser extent it's just too cerebral for the american audience uh i mean i, 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 I mean I, I mean i mean i mean we we do cerebral times we saw cerebral works really well in the jeopardy goat tournament uh, but also, we sort of had Cerebral when it came to 500 Questions, a, a TV show that couldn't even get the number of questions uh, in their title played over the course of a series. I think they got over 500 questions on Jeopardy. Oh, uh, the, through the four episodes, mm, it would have been very close. 
Let's see, 60? 61 per... Uh, well, actually... Oh, no, it's it was 120, double. Is 100, no, it would have been very close. 61 per half hour, so that's 122 for, uh, per show times four shows would put you at uh, at 488. 488. Oh, so nice. we just needed... No, oh, there were questions asked to the contestants during their interview segments. 500 questions! Yay! <laughs> da, da, da. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, but like, yeah, some of it works. I, 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 I think I, like an I, I, only I, I, connect could work. I think pointless can work. Like you well, have to have like connect, a level of cleverness well, that's American style. Well, uh, pointless. There was a pilot done for GSN. I would say three or four years ago. At this point, I was going to do the pilot. I was going to be on that pilot. Yeah, and uh, ultimately, the, the, the people. I think the uh, they, they uh, did like group testing, and the group said, "Well, this is just Family Feud in reverse." Yeah, was, or, or family oh no, feud using trivia pitch. questions. That was yeah. the pitch, and it's just like, oh no, yeah, they, and that's like, not really the way to pitch it. Like, what the, I think they originally were going to. I'm not going to go into all of the pointless things because some of the stuff I think is still under NDA. But like, they had like a whole different scoring system. They had a whole different like mechanic. They scrapped like uh, the Richard Osman seat. Like there was so many. So they Americanized it, is what you're saying. It was just, I, to me, it's kind like, of sort of. But the show has been on in the UK for like twelve years now at this point because it's fun to just say, "Can you name any song from the Beatles?" And then it's like, "Well, yeah, you can pick the most obvious, but if you pick a more obscure song, you win." It's like things like that work. Yeah, it, it's it, like I said. I think it's too. I don't want to say too smart for the American audience. The American audience can be smart at times or enjoy smart. As again, as I said during the the goat tournament, we saw the ratings for that, but it's just. Yeah, unless it ends up on like a PBS or a Discovery or maybe even like a, 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 a National Geographic channel or a science channel, something that's more, let, let's say, academic, something that's more educational than, say, VH1. A PBS. <laughs> just, just throwing out a, just throwing out a, 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 a network kind of sort of at random. If you can find that network that sort of, promotes higher thinking promotes learning promotes knowledge i mean actually probably what would have been the best network and i'm not even joking about this is the learning channel when it was actually the learning channel back in the early 1990s when there are actually educational shows on there instead of 24 7 90 day fiance or my 8,000 pound tumor or whatever you're not a fan of dr pimple popper <laughs> don't make me say the name of the show again so i can get this counter off of 69 <laughs> no but uh, no but but yeah i mean if you can find the right network that would be perfect the thing is yeah it wouldn't work on any of the broadcast network cable channels uh, i mean you couldn't pair it up with prices right or let's make a deal because you know that, that just doesn't make any sense that's it's lighthearted entertainment and now you've got this serious quizzer or even if you made it semi-serious even if you toned it down a little bit and brought it to a double dare level well we saw what happened with double dare double dare back 40 43 years ago at this point it lasted uh essentially 20 weeks 100 shows and it got replaced so yeah hard quizzes don't necessarily work in daytime uh Unfortunately, it seems like, unfortunately, no quizzes work in daytime, I mean, or not even quizzers, but uh, sort of audience participation, because we, even despite the ratings of Pyramid, we haven't seen that in uh, daytime. 
despite uh, you know the successes of all the the the, the ABC shows. None of them is going to to ABC Daytime for the time being. Why can't they do daytime fun and games? Uh, because uh, ABC Daytime is currently the Michael Strahan network. Hey, it's- well, the, the Michael Strahan Talks network. I, I should rephrase it that way. Strahan. Strahan Talks. He gets yeah, a little sweater it- vest, stands on a chair. Hey, guys, let me tell you a little something about uh, the NFL. You know, it's fun. It's a team sport, but what's really serious is concussions. And it's not just on the field. It's in real life, too. Note the signs. Thank you. And now yeah, back to your regularly scheduled program. And then Keith yeah, yeah, starts but, screaming. No, no, but also at the same time, yes, concussions are bad. But look at all this money! And he's just, like, doing this with money. And he's you got rain. He has, like, the little money the gun. Exactly. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, double money guns. Do, 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 shooting $100 bills at the audience. <laughs> Forget the concussions. I'm worth $60 million, bitches! Yeah! <laughs> but um, yeah so, so i mean this would be something and honestly i really think this would work on some place like national geographic i sir really think you could pair this up with brain games especially the new season of brain games don't know if you've seen that yet. oh the ones where now it's uh with keegan michael key as the host with keegan michael key but also celebrities are playing the different games and again they're more you know mind games mental games and uh, trying to either fool people or show that women are faster than men or men are faster than women in different events. But I could see that being paired up uh, with any sort of clever dicks or only connect something again, something cerebral. And, and you've got a nice little block there on Monday nights. If you were to do that, I think that would be like the perfect place for it to go. I would watch it. I would definitely watch a Friday night only connect on discovery. I would watch that. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the new I occasionally this new one. The DVR is already set for a season pass because I, I saw the the preview. Uh, there was like a fifteen minute preview about a week and a half before it premiered, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like this is cool. It's like a game show, but it's not a game show, and it, you learn about the the human mind and what you can sense and what you can tell, and it, it's it's beyond cool. So yeah, that's exactly where I'd put it. Is like National Geographic. Like 7 p.m. right before, or 7:30 p.m. right before Brain Games, or move Brain Games to 8:30 or 9 o'clock, and then put your your only connector or your th- that other show that we're talking about this episode. Put that there. The dicks. The dicks. This is this, this is this is like the worst game of taboo. You yeah. Chris Wells taboo. Yeah, we're bringing back that. <laughs> we were. And, and yeah, and, and we can't talk about this word. That word is taboo. We're gonna get taboo, eight, taboo, we're gonna taboo, get taboo. So yeah, it, it, I, I don't think that would work over here. But yeah, I would love to see like a mastermind or uh, again an only connect, a pointless. You're naming three shows the I would chase, put on I think here. Would be prime for revival. Bring back the chase. I mean, Fox wanted to do it originally, and for some reason they passed. Bring back the chase. You got you know uh, you can bring the beast. You can have Brad Rutter. You can have James Holzhauer. I mean, you can have your own little rotating stable of 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 of, of chasers. Uh, that's also a shame. And, and we got into that the last time I was here because I was actually tried out for the chase and I was close to being on the show, but then it got canceled. All right, and I'm very sad. No, it'll be okay. There's a lot of quiz shows now. There's well, I'm in the pool for Jeopardy. Just I need the call. Somebody. Call. 
<laughs> please. Please. You're my gun shepherd. <laughs> um, before we get going here, last time you were here, we did the speed round. But this time around, we just have no time limit, but we just have one final question. Uh-oh. Dum-dum-dum. If you can bring back one game show that had just one season, what would it be and why? So there's no time limit. I can go make myself uh, some tea and a and, uh, sandwich, and and I can go start working on my laundry, and then I can uh, snowplow the driveway. So I can come back to this in about like an hour and a half, right? Yeah, you, you can, but like I'm going to have to go do laundry. and. Well, okay, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> oh, okay, what is <laughs> Did you miss me? Okay. Uh, <laughs> one game show that lasted one season that I'd like to bring back. I'm Honestly, I mean, we mentioned Double Dare earlier. I, I love it so much, but again, it's too cerebral for your, your, your average Joe. Um, that's a great question. Because that is your area of expertise on your podcast and in this. <laughs> True. A very thematic question. Um I purposely make this stuff. Question for clarification. Are we talking just U.S. or are we talking international? Anyone. You can do armchair detectives. No. You can do the You, know, uh, you Don't Know Jack game show from ABC. Oh, one of the topics of our show, by the way. <laughs> um, man, uh, for current shows or, or recent shows, I sh- should say, I would definitely say Taskmaster in the U.S., I think that really got shortchanged. Comedy Central did a burn off of it at late night on Fridays uh, from like 11 to midnight. And they showed eight episodes in the span of four weeks. And they really didn't even give that justice because each show was a half an hour long. Uh, and, and it's such a great format. And I, I don't know if Comedy Central just lost faith in it or they just mishandled it. Mishandle. But, I'll say mishandle. Uh, mishandle is most likely, but like I said, it, it doesn't work in a half-hour format. It, it works best in an hour-long format. Um, See, I was thinking, so that, that, th- I was just thinking wrong network. Like this, if you said hour-long, well, true TV. Oh, absolutely. I mean, th- there was comedy within Taskmaster, obviously, but it, it just it, it just doesn't work on a network that shows South Park like five days a week, 10 hours a day, maybe a little bit with like the daily show, but, and, and also it just doesn't work for a Tosh point O crowd. It's sad to say, but yeah, you want uh, people who are yeah. fucking up and then having a nervous breakdown. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, if I was to look at an older format, so newer, a newer format, I'd say taskmaster, an older format that lasted under a year that I would like returned or under a season. Gosh, the the evil side of me says I'd love to see a revival of Match Game Highland Square. No, that, that, that was actually what I thought you were going to say when I wrote that. Well, well, but but no, I'm sure there's other shows. I mean, I'd love to say Double Dare again. I, I mean, if I was being paid by the dollar for saying Double Dare, I, I'd be able to retire. Uh, Physical challenge. <laughs> um, in terms of a uh, a, a short lived show here that I would like to see revived. Oh boy, it may seem a little derivative. Well, you know what? I just had to change the heart. I was going to say Time Machine, and it's very derivative of Price is Right, but I'm going to go with, and this one's maybe a little off the wall. No, you know what? Now I just had another idea. Uh, you see how these are coming? Boom, boom, boom. It's tough. My second it's choice. Question. 
I wrote my, these my good second, questions. <laughs> yeah, my second choice was going to be to say the least with Tom Kennedy. I love that show so much. But I'm going to lock this in as my final answer because, oh, jeez, now I just love another game. Damn it, Jordan! Don't you? Um, I love being the host. <laughs> this is the kind of this is this is what my expertise is. Yeah, yeah, you're like making me like just overthink everything because oh, I think I have the great game and oh, jeez, I love this game. Um, the the game that I that came in my mind third, which replaced to say the least, and really, and I was going to say it until this other <laughs> game in my head. And I think I don't have any other games coming my, in my head. So this, this, these two should be like my final answers. I absolutely love Break the Bank in 1976, the Jack Berry version okay. with the celebrities. <laughs> that, well, that's your game of strategy right there, trying to find the, the three connecting dollar amounts. And I love that game. But the, the one and the, the reason that, yeah, uh, that I almost didn't choose uh, Break the Bank, I love the big showdown. The big showdown is another great Q&A game with a ton of strategy, and, and that did not live very long. So, Jordan, I have like a six-part answer. I'd like to say The Big Showdown, Break the Bank in 1976, To Say the Least, and Time Machine, and Taskmaster, and I didn't even mention Hitman. So there you go. There's your six answers. <laughs> that was six. <laughs> now I'm waiting for you to say, okay, Mike, you don't follow directions too well. Can you pare it down to one? I said no. one game show, yeah. and you gave me yeah. six. Yeah, I think you said, can you name one game show? You know what, Jordan? <laughs> no. I can answer six. That's my answer. All right, then. Well, that's going to do it, then, Mike. You have anything you would I like think to I plug? just lost my plug for the show, didn't I? <laughs> that, that's the penalty, because I, I didn't properly follow the rules. No, Mike, go on. you don't and... get a plug, get out of here. Go take a nap. <laughs> no, you go in and plug. <laughs> So like Jordan said back at the beginning of the show, oh, and you know what? Since so I was going to ruin Jordan's count because uh, uh, of, of what just happened here, but I'm not going to say that word. Uh, as Jordan said at the beginning of the show, uh, myself and uh, Chico Alexander and Greg Diener have a two times a week podcast, or actually sometimes more than two times a week uh, podcast about bad, obscure, odd, uh, bizarre TV shows called it was a thing on TV, and we talk about everything. Um, just a, a preview as to what is either up as of the time you're hearing this or what will be up around the time that this will be posted. Uh, we did an episode on Joe Schmo Season 1. Uh, we did an episode on Bonsai. Uh, we did a Super Bowl special on the Bud Bowl, which was great. We went through all the Bud Bowls and and sort of broke them down and, and poked fun at the later ones because it was very, very derivative at that point. Uh, we're doing the UK game show Cheap, Cheap, Cheap. Uh, we're going to do an episode of uh, devoted to Saturday Night Live Season 6, which was the Gene Dumanian season, uh, which was an absolute train wreck and nearly killed the franchise. Uh, and then uh, we're going to do uh, the second week of February, uh, an episode devoted to the XFL, which premieres that week, the new XFL. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to have an episode on, well, Tom Poston game show bullshittery, as I phrased it, with just some of the brain farts that Tom Poston had uh, <laughs> playing games. And I also mentioned the, the, the Bill Cullen 100th birthday tribute and $50,000 pyramid. That is, that's all the episodes, at least as of, uh, at this point, it would be late February. So... Uh, those episodes again, uh, you can find them on 
any uh, provider for podcasts, I do believe, we're on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Podbean. We're on Google Play. And actually, earlier this afternoon, I actually got us on Spotify because some folks said, you're not on Spotify. Why don't you fix that? Okay, we're on Spotify now. Uh, but also, if you don't have any of those, if you just want to listen directly through our website, uh, our webpage is www.itwasathingontv.com. www.itwasathingontv.com. That'll hook you up with all the previous episodes, all our social media, contact information. You can find us pretty much anywhere online if you go to your, your favorite app and search for It Was a Thing on TV. Mike, thank you so much again for stopping by. Oh, uh, uh, I almost called you Gordon. <laughs> I'm Gordon Haas. Thanks again. Uh, oh, 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 Jordan, I want to thank you very much for letting me come on here and talk about clever dicks. Oh, oh fuck. no! Fuck! Thanks again to Mike for stopping by. Is my microphone sounding tinny right now? I don't know. Um... <clears throat> But uh, if you want to check out that great podcast, they just did an episode on the second about the game show Cheap, Cheap, Cheap. What are the odds of that? Uh, Cheap, Cheap, Cheap and the Bud Bowl because of the Super Bowl. Uh, Check out It Was A Thing on TV.com. That's It Was A Thing on TV.com. You can check out all of those episodes right over there. Lots of fun Lots of interesting thought pieces on it, but cheap, cheap, cheap. Man, I, I just, I just want to say how, how a good game show, like, like cheap, cheap, could just become just like a cult classic to me. I think that was just like a fun little one season format, just like Armchair Detectives. But oh, oh well. I wish I did my due diligence because I spent so much time being nostalgic over some game shows. I forgot to do the one thing of figuring out how many winners there were for Clever Dicks of the jackpot, but um. I, I didn't, so I'm going to just say like seven, maybe seven. It, it's 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 a British game show. They're all about like, yeah, hey, you can win like 3,000 pounds. Oh, you didn't win the 3,000 pounds. Imagine that being a game show here in America. You have a chance to win $2,000. Oh, well, that sucks. What were you going to do with $2,000? I don't know, like buy a washing machine, something? I, oh, t- tough luck. Like that's that's what most of these game shows remind me of. But oh well, it happens. Thanks again to Mike once again for stopping by. And uh, now it's time for the 110 part series exploring every every pricing game from the Price Is Right. This is Pricing Game Spotlight. Swap Meet. Premier date, September 9th, 1991, 8091D. Finale date, May 21st, 2007, 4001K. But Premier date with Drew Carey, December 5th, 2007, 4113K. Swap Meet is a pricing game where the contestant tries to swap one prize with another that has the exact same price. Uh, the contestant is shown four prizes with their prices hidden. One of them has a 
base price. The contestant must pick which of the other three prizes has the same price as the base price to win all four prizes. That's all right. That, that's the game. You get one of the four prizes, and then it's like, oh, it's $7.99. Which of these three is $7.99 you win? That's That sums it up. Uh, fun versions of the game. <clears throat> For instance, in Le Jocron in France, use a slightly different format. After seeing a base price, the contestant was shown former prices to win. They had to pick the two prices from the latter group, whose prices totaled the price of the base. So two of the equal. So it's a, one more complex version, almost like a give-keep. For this game to be played, two prices must share the same price. The most number of times this game was played in a season was 24. Swap Meet never offered four cars. Swami was one of the f- five new pricing games seen on the 9th, 10th season of 36th, 5th, January. Jesus Christ, can we just not bother with... I'm just going to drink. Yeah. Anyway, I really like this set for this. Because um, this, this was the 90s. Swami uh, was a creature of the 90s. And nothing quite said a uh, 90s game show quite like 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 neon lights that said meat on it and different letters spelling out swap and hexagons and uh, parallelograms. There's parallelograms all over the set trying to give it that old 1950s swap meat vibe. And I mean, they were in a comeback in the mid in the early 90s. So that makes sense. Uh, but it's still around today. There's a cool grid to it, too. Um, and it's one of my favorite pricing games that just involves prices, just because there's an element of a puzzle of one of these is matching this, but you don't know the price of this, nor do you know the price of that. So you have to gauge it. So you're like, oh, this exercise bike's twelve ninety nine. One of those three has to be twelve ninety nine. dollars Maybe it's the computer, for instance. And that's kind of how the game works. I love it. Because then you have that ac- maximum drama appeal, too, where it's, well, let's see the price of your prize. Oh, it's nine ninety nine. Did you expect that? Ah, and then we reveal the prize. I love that nature of Swap Me. And I think that's why this pricing game uh, is fun. And I wish this, this one got played more often. But it's really tough to uh, create the prices for it because equal price. And I think there's a conspiracy. There's a conspiracy for me on this one. Uh, a reason this game doesn't get played too is because it also has this weird comparison. Uh, I think the advertisers who give their prizes out don't really like uh, this game quite a lot because to them, like even though they do a sponsorship, it kind of feels like you know uh, for twelve hundred bucks you could buy uh, a treadmill. Or you can buy fancy uh, purses, and it just it just messes with your head. But I think of all like the pricing games currently in rotation, don't don't take this the wrong way, folks. But in all the pricing games currently in rotation, Swabmeet is the one that has the best lasting power, almost as much as one right prize, one wrong prize, uh, double digits, two price, like things like that, where it's just like an easy AB game. This is an ABC game, and it works on so many levels that this is also versatile. You can do all sorts of different groups, one of every different category in the book, a furniture item, a tech item, a trip, and you can really mess with people's heads in this game if you really wanted to. And I think that's why this game works. It's 
you can play different things. And that's why I recommend people play swap meet or see swap meet. It's a forget about Plinko swap meet. Get get the swap meet shirts out. Uh, next time on pricing game spotlight, it's called pick a number. Can you guess what you do in that game? I'll tell you next week. Welcome, everyone, to a brand new segment here. It's the last part of the show. Normally, we'd be answering questions or doing a game show review, but, you know, we're kind of in this nice lull area, which is like the perfect time for me to do this segment. Uh, it, it basically, we're calling this basically the game theory, the game show theory, the game, like the Jordan School of Game Show Theory, basic game theory, the way I show envision game shows. Because I, I, to me, I think it's very... Uh, like the last ep- like 100 or so episodes i don't even know we're not at 100 episodes yet but it feels like a lot of people kind of think that oh you're not really breaking down the game as much as you used to and in some ways yeah but in other ways i just kind of want to have fun with the with the guests and just talk about the show what i enjoyed about it what makes the show great things that we enjoy about it things we don't enjoy theories sets all in design um, and I decided, well, between now and maybe like when Supermarket Sweep shows up or any other new game show, we should do this nice little segment where I'm trying to basically educate. This is like an education segment uh, for, for a few minutes here to you, the listener, how I envision game shows and how I like to look at game shows. Because a lot of people just see game shows in a weird way. They either see it as just like boring television that's just filler or they see it as like a game show where it's just like, uh, wow, the celebrity and wow, the car and wow, the cash. Uh, or they see it as like home games, adapted home games into a televised format. And in some ways, that's kind of what it is. And other people see like any game show format in the entire world as this must be adapted into America. We must play this right now for our charity event and go right ahead. I mean, some of these games are fun, but you, you can't, but the adaptability of them is kind of lost based on different cultures and customs and all sorts of things. And with this segment, I'm going to try and break things down to you, the listener, as to how I see games and how they should be played. This is a multi-part series, so you might be seeing this every so often. And I decided the first thing I want to talk about is something that I have been bringing up almost every week in in one relation to another. And when I start with the beginning part of when I break down a game show and I say, like, how many players are there? What's the game about? You know, it's three contestants. They answer the questions and then something happens. Things like that. <clears throat> so... I have to break down the key part of any television show. Doesn't matter what it is. It really doesn't matter at this point, including the news. There's always conflict. Now, with a television drama, there's always a conflict. There's always a struggle. What's the goal of the main character? Uh, if for for a comedy, oh, something bad happened. How are they going to get out of this one? Those are your conflicts. What's the issues between two main characters? What are they getting out of? What's the thing holding someone back? 
for for a news what's the problem going on right now in this area what's going to be done to stop it that's the conflict uh so for instance uh gilligan's island getting out of the island that's the conflict how are they going to get out of the island they don't have the thing uh, for, for something like, uh, for, for something like it's always in Philadelphia, they always get at, into a hijinks and they usually can't get out of it. And it always leads to more and more distress. So if you can think back to your days of being in a creative writing class in a middle school, high school, maybe even for fifth grade, you would know about the basic structures of storytelling and the basic conflicts that come through it. For instance, there is man versus self. Uh, for instance, it's the one where there's a main character and there's a mixed decision, what's right and wrong, and just going through making a very tough choice. You have man versus man, which is a common form of external conflict. You know, me versus the other guy. We're in a fight. We're in a race. Someone's going to win. Someone has to lose. There's an antagonist, a protagonist. You've seen those before all the time. Man versus society. Uh, there's something going wrong in the, in the person's world wants to make the change, or can adapt, can they adapt, can they not adapt, think the Joker movie, man versus nature, uh, there's a natural disaster, a thunderstorm, a flood, a fire, something that is man-made, and they're trying to get out of that, uh, man versus machine, similar, but with tech, you know, your, 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 your futuristic dystopias, your 2001 space odysseys, uh, you have your man versus the supernatural, the fate. Uh, that is your, you are going to die of a deadly illness. How are you going to get away from this? Or you are going to see someone and it's the something that they can't really think about. And it's really in, in weird, fantastic. No, it can't be real. That Ghosts don't exist. Ah, Stuff like that. So that's your basic storytelling procedures, and those are not just used in books and literature. They're kind of used in most uh, television shows as well. For instance, in a lot of uh, documentaries, there always is an antagonist and a protagonist, and this is used a lot in reality television shows. Yes, you're like, oh, are the Kardashians good or bad? Usually in the show, they're framed as good people, and everyone around them sucks, so I'm going to just wag my finger and scream at you. Um... You have your basic heroes and villains in reality conflict television shows. Uh, what do you, who do you think is a good guy? Who do you think is a bad guy in the world of Survivor? You decide, America, or whatever the editor tells you. Things like that become what conflict is. Conflict sells. Things like a presidential election, like going on right now, sells because what are you going to see democrats attack each other for a bit so they can try and get one leg up to get more votes so then when it comes to the general election oh who is going up against trump we want to see that big conflict fight and no one that's the news now news is conflict your your television shows your comedies your dramas those are all conflicts your reality sitcoms are all conflicts everything has a conflict now, in our world of game shows, which are an in-studio, or I mean generally in things like a Big Brother or Survivor, an out-of-the-studio format, you can't have the conflict be essentially, you know, man versus society or man versus nature. I mean, it sometimes it is, because you can you survive the elements? 
is one of the aspects of the game, but that's the storytelling aspect of the game. Something like Hunted, can you beat the cops in a, in a format where you're on the run? You're a fugitive. Uh, that, that, that's a conflict of in terms of storytelling. But for the sake of what we're selling in this show, in this version of formats, we're not selling storylines. Storylines is good in reality competition shows because you can actually grab people who may not give a shit about a game format by making stories of who these people are and treat them like characters. Uh, a lot of people in the world of reality competition don't say contestants, they say characters for this very reason. So, we're going to go with like basic ass quiz show or a basic ass like Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, you name one of those. Uh, so, there are a few types of conflicts that I like to see in the world of game shows. And they come in three parts. And I'm going to break down each one right now. One, house. House is the producers. Can you beat the in-studio game the producers created? This is this is like a can you beat the house? Can you beat the $64,000 question? Because you're not up against someone else. You're against yourself. But you're that's your version of the man versus self because you're going up against the house. When's the right time to stop? There is your conflict. Uh, so, for instance, a deal or no deal would be a prime example of a man versus uh, the house. You're beating the house to play deal or no deal. You're really against the banker, and people say that's a player versus player, but the banker is essentially producers calculating the, the offers. So there's three types. There's a house, which is producers, writers, game theory. Then you have players, which is just the individual contestant, an individual player. And then you have team. A team is a group of two or more. So you can look at every game show with either house, player, or team. For instance, and I've written them all down here, player versus house. That's who wants to be a millionaire. You're sitting in the hot seat, 15 questions. You want to stop or you want to keep going. To beat the house, you got to get through all 15 questions. Million dollar money drop. Here's a million bucks. Get through all seven questions. If you have any money left, you get to keep it. Uh, the price is right. Here's a pricing game, but it's also, you will find out a bit later, it's not just a player versus house, it's a player versus player versus player versus player to get to the player versus house. There's a second tier to all of these things. We're going to basics here. Then you have a team format, like a family feud, team versus team, a family of four versus a family of four, or a newlywed game, a team of two versus a team of two versus a team of two versus a team of two, or look into something like America Says, team of four, team of four, or you can look at it like, um, let's see, what else can we say it works? Like team versus house, for instance. That is games like a mil. For instance, let's make a deal. Show some elements of team versus house, because Wayne Brady calls down a couple, and the couple is told, "You have five hundred bucks. Do you want to keep this, or do you want to trade it for the big box, or do you want what Jonathan Mangum has over here?" That's your conflicts. Uh, that that's the next element. So between player versus house, team versus house, a team versus house could also be a, like if they had a team episode of, uh, of deal or no deal. Uh, most of the time when I think team versus house, I think of million dollar money drop because that's played with a couple rather than an individual. 
that's that's a good straightforward uh, quiz that I can see as team versus house. Then you have your player versus player. That is a one-on-one format. So it's one player versus another player. Like a Hollywood Squares or Match Game or Card Sharks where it's one person versus another player with a goal. So first two get three in a row. First two, whoever gets the most matches in the celebrities win. Something like that is a player versus player, team versus team, family feud. First to get 300 wins in this certain criteria. Uh, something like something like Double Dare is a team versus team. People know Double Dare. A team of two versus a team of two. Dare the answer for double dollars. Careful, you have up about about physical challenge. Sometimes there's even player versus team. Like, for instance, blockbusters. People love blockbusters as the example of a player versus theme because their whole big conflict is, is two heads better than one. But you can also argue that player versus team also counts to something like the chase. But it's kind of weird because it's also a team versus the house competition as well because the house is the beast. It is Ann Haggerty. It is the Cineman. It, so you're playing as an individual in these cash builders but you're working as a team in the final chase. So there's a second tier to that, the team versus the player. Uh, the player is the house. But it's not like a producer creating in the, the format to knock you out. It's one player who's an expert that you have to beat to win the game. They don't win anything <laughs> except for their paycheck. So when you see something like the chase, player versus team. Team versus team, like a family feud. Player versus player, like a, a, a Hollywood Squares. But we're saying one-on-ones. Now you can extend upon that. You can go player versus player versus player, like three contestants. That's your Wheel of Fortune. That's your Jeopardy. You're familiar with almost all of those game shows because most game shows have a three-contestant format. Uh, Masterminds has that. Uh, Your uh, Sale of the Century has that. But you can also do... Any mix of those two. You can do team versus team versus team and have it be a bizarre kind of weird conflict game show. I'm trying to think of like a game show that had pairs. There were multiples and groups of three. Like like I would say Fear Factor kind of had that in the later seasons. Like it was team format of two. And that's one aspect of it. You can do player versus team versus the house. I don't know how that's done. I think you would have to do some sort of format where you can, like, like a hitman almost, maybe. Like, you have to knock someone out, but if you get it wrong, you lose. And if the, you if everyone loses, the house wins. Something like that, where if the house wins, because that's why I say the house, because sometimes there can be no winner and the producers win the show. That is when I mean house. Um, that That's what's what makes the show. Uh, or and you can extend upon that to four, five, six, however many players. For instance, uh, you can just to complicate things even further. Let's go with Survivor. It's a team versus team format in theory because it's a team and a team. But in the grander stage of all, it's actually a sixteen-player game show. It's player versus 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 player versus. I'm just going to ad nauseum get it. And they form alliances. And in those alliances, that's a pseudo team. But there's also the big team that's their group, their big camp. If their camp wins, they get the immunity. And the other camp has to vote someone out. 
that's that's another conflict. That's a tier system of the conflicts, which is what a lot of game shows do to change up the pace. For instance, with Survivor, it becomes a team game where you have individuals. So when you're focusing on the contestants and they're playing, you see it's an individual player versus player game in two different tribes. When it goes to the someone gets eliminated and you see the tribal council, the game unravels to now being player versus player versus player versus player playing a social game of who can work the crowd to get the votes. Uh, when you know it goes to that one tribe, when they tribal merge and it's one big team, and then it's all players for themselves, player versus player versus player till like five or six or seven or eight. Who cares? That is most of the time Survivor. Big Brother, it's just 16 contestants. There's no teams unless they do one of those gimmicks like uh, the, what was that one with the jocks and the nerds and all that, that, that season. So when you see different groups, different dynamics, Things like uh, the challenge is a team versus team, and they still do individuals because one person can win the show. Uh, there is so many different ways of looking at a game show when it comes to player, team, and a house. When it's a house-based game show, there has to be a mechanic that if a contestant loses, they get nothing. Or the house wins, that's it. Uh for instance, um, here's one I'll go with easily. Uh, a uh, The price is right. There is a contestant pool, and then they pick four players. Of those four players, you have player versus player versus player versus player for the one bid. Whoever wins that one bid then transforms into a player versus house. You have to go against the producers by playing a pricing game to win an item. To win that item, you got to figure out the price. If you win, you win the prize. If you don't win, you keep the one bid prize, but you spin the big wheel. Then we transform again. Now it's a three-player one versus one versus one who can get the highest number on the showcase showdown wheel. That person goes on to the showcase at the end, and it becomes a player versus player who can get closest to their individual showcase without going over. There's your transformations of different conflicts within one parameter of a game show. Another example would be Wheel of Fortune. We see it as player versus player versus player, but when it gets to that final round, when someone gets the most money after the final spin, there's that bonus spin, that final spin, that game becomes player versus house. To win the bonus prize, you gotta beat the house in one final puzzle, you have 20 seconds. Same thing happens with Family Feud in a bonus round. Team versus team, now you have to pick two people, and that team has to get 200 or more in the fast money round to win the 20000 That's your team versus house uh, play, because the house can win, you might not get to 200 That becomes the dynamic. Uh, pointless, team versus team versus team versus team. Highest score gets eliminated each round. The final round, you must come up with a pointless score. If you don't come up with a pointless score, the house jackpot increases to the next episode. The house wins that episode. You just win the trophy. That's it. Uh, that's why it's always fascinating to me to see a game show when you look at it through the concept of conflict. Because... You can because you have because you think of it through logic. You have to think of it through a logic like a puzzle. The players are basically pawns in a video game or a board game, and the dynamics change 
based on who's playing, what's playing, what's the stakes, what's going on. There could be a game where you have a random group of people who've never met each other and they can knock each other out against another team of people and they can knock each other out and it becomes this uh, pick and choose elimination contest. It could be a game where people who know each other go against a team that knows each other and it's who knows the most about some random artifact or some quiz. There are so many different ways to go about this that it becomes interesting. Uh, I, I wish I can go through every game show we have ever talked about here, but if you look back at some of the past uh, game shows we have talked about, I have said player versus house or player versus team. Uh, Schlagden Rob is a player versus player game, but that player, the Rob, acts as the house because if you beat Rob, you win the money. If not, there's the jackpot that increases. But then you have something like an Only Connect, which is a team-based quiz that's a tournament, or a University Challenge, which also does the same. It's a team, and it's a challenge, and it's a tournament, and someone wins. That's, that's how it goes. And sometimes it's just a flippant, like, draw of a hat, lucky lottery game, in which case you're up against everybody, and it's all random luck. So player versus player versus player versus player versus player versus player, who can randomly grab the right number? That's That could be a two. Game shows are fascinating when it comes to that kind of conflict because everybody can play, individuals can play, teams can play. Which is the best? Is a, is a game great when it's played against the house? Is it better when it's played against an individual? Who's to say? Because to me, every version of this conflict works in their own individual special way. A team game versus a team game feels like a sports event in some regards because it could be groups who know each other versus groups that know each other individual versus individual you see that all the time even in sports as well with a, with individual game like tennis or golf that for a game show there's no wrong way to go about the most basic principles of a format which is what is the conflict so the next time you see a game show press your luck is player versus player versus player and whoever gets the most money after two rounds transforms into the bonus round where it's the player versus the house in the round where they have to avoid for whammies and get half a million dollars. That's the game. Same thing happens with Beat Shazam. Team versus team versus team. The last team standing goes against the house in a team versus house final round. You have uh, game shows like um, The Wall, which is team versus house. But the team is split off where one individual answers the question. So it's a man versus house. And then there's a luck based element with the player drop in the balls, which is also a man versus house. But together they work as a team, but not together, but separate. That also adds an element to a game. Things like that are always what makes a game show fascinating to me and always what makes a new format exciting because if you just tell me there's a format where it's three contestants and the goal is to buzz in and answer questions, the conflict is person versus person versus person. Sure. The player versus player versus player, whatever. That's fine. That's a, that's a go-to format, but it almost feels like a snooze fest unless you had something exciting to blend it up. Maybe there's an element where the first to buzz in picks their player and then becomes a team versus player element in the second question then you split it off again and it's player versus player versus player things like that are what makes a fascinating game show is the more you can meld different conflicts quick trust 
maybe work as a team, and then at the end, they have to be individuals. Always works. And in fact, I think that's going to be happening with The Hustler coming soon, as long as that game show exists with Craig Ferguson, where people are going to work as a team, but you have to eliminate somebody, but someone's a cheater. Things like that work well. Um, and if, if it's a team versus the, the house or it's a self versus the, the player versus the house, usually you'll see the structure of a dramatic game show take place. Uh, a team game show like a family plays a game show like Minute to Win It, you'll now get like, why are you playing this game show? Because you have to have some sort of stakes to engage the audience these days. If it's a player versus this, the house, why is this one player so special enough that he gets to play the game? Why does she get to play? Why do they play the game? That is a game show in its basic core is this conflict because the conflict is the selling point of any game. If you don't have a player versus anything, you don't have a game show. doesn't mean there has to be a win condition or a lose condition. It just has to be a competition between the house, a player, or a team in any combination of two or more of those. This has been Jordan's school segment. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for stopping by. Sorry for all the boredom of different things here and there, but I appreciate you uh, coming over listening to this podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts. Give it the five stars over there. Let me know what you think of it. Let me know what game shows you want to talk about. There's a little comment section, so feel free. Uh, you can say hello to me on Twitter. I'm at Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. I'll be your friend in the world of game shows. Uh, you can also check me out at Patreon, patreon.com slash Jordan Haas, where I have other podcasts and goodies over there. Um, I think that's about in with the plug. I mean, we're also on Spotify, so if you feel like I don't have podcasting available, you have Spotify. Uh, and you can check out other episodes over at jordanhaas.com slash podcast. Join me next week when I'll be talking about another great game show, I suppose. Until then, big smooch. Mwah!